Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro. I know it's been a long time since our last podcast. Life has been busy. Sorry for the mess behind me. If you're watching this on YouTube, as you can see, I'm in a different location. We are in the process of moving into our new location, and that'll be ready soon. But I wanted to get on and do do an episode this week because we have a lot of big things that have happened and are going to happen in sports. So let's jump right in. I'm going to change up the order that I was planning on doing things uh, in this podcast because I want to spend more time on on the, the subject of LeBron James, so we're going to save that for last. The other big story in sports this week was the retirement of Tom Brady for the second time, but probably this time for good. And he is, to me, the unquestioned GOAT of football, greatest of all time, with Joe Montana, second. And his retirement started a bit of an NFL quarterback carousel this offseason with a lot of teams needing quarterbacks and a lot of quarterbacks needing to find new homes. So Tampa now jumps to the top of that list of in need of a new quarterback uh, with Kyle Trask being the only quarterback on their roster going into next year. And, and and he's a good choice. He or he's a good quarterback. I, I I like his potential. He was really good at the University of Florida. But that Bucks roster is a win now roster, and Kyle Trask is not set to be a to be a win now quarterback. So, who will be under center for Tampa Bay next year? We'll find out. Many of the other names on that quarterback list are Aaron Rodgers, Derek Carr, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance now that San Francisco seems set to stay with rookie sensation Mr. Irrelevant no more, Brock Purdy going into next year. So where will Trey Lance land? Um, And then with the draft having three pretty solid quarterbacks set to go in the first round, we'll see what happens. I believe that Aaron Rodgers will find himself in Las Vegas. I know a lot of people are linking him to the Jets for... Many reasons. Joe Namath came out and said that he would want the Jets to unretire his number 12 to allow Aaron Rodgers to play there. The Jets have a lot of young, really good pieces, a really good coach in Robert Sala. And they just hired Nathaniel Hackett as their offensive coordinator. And as we know from last offseason, Aaron Rodgers has a good relationship with Nathaniel Hackett and wanted to be traded to Denver after they named him head coach. And with a lot of people believing that's why they named him head coach. But we saw how that went with Russell Wilson in Denver, as Nathaniel Hackett didn't even make it out of the season. More on Denver in a second. The Jets have a lot of good young pieces. If it weren't for quarterback injuries and the injury to star rookie running back Brees Hall, they probably would have found themselves in the playoffs. With with rookie wide receiver Garrett Wilson, a couple other good young receivers, Brees Hall coming back healthy, and a, a familiar offensive coordinator for the Jets with, with a good defensive coach in Robert Sala, the Jets seem to be a, a an obvious choice for some for Aaron Rodgers. But to me, the obvious choice is Las Vegas. Not only because his former favorite target, Devontae Adams, is now in Vegas, but Vegas has seemingly moved on from Derek Carr, with Derek Carr saying goodbye to Raiders Nation and the Raiders allowing him to speak to other teams. And so they have an opening at quarterback. A lot of people have either C.J. Stroud or Kentucky's Will Levis going to Vegas in the draft. But recently, 
after a Twitter question of what neighborhood will will Aaron Rodgers be coming to next year, Devontae Adams tweeted, Mine, confirming that he is lobbying for his former running mate to join him in Vegas. And this is not a bad fit either. This, I, I think it's a great fit. I think it's a better fit than any team he had with Devontae in Green Bay. Because not only would he have Devontae, he would have Hunter Renfro, who is a great number two wide receiver. He would have Darren Waller, who, when healthy, is one of the best tight ends in football. He would have Josh Jacobs, who led the league in rushing this last year, which would free up Vegas to focus this offseason on building that defense and making it better. Uh, Vegas was, they lost a lot of close games in the regular season and and we're still right there at the towards the end for playoff contention. So, with a veteran like Aaron Rodgers coming in, reuniting with Devonte Adams and and having the weapons of Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs, weapons the quality of which he hasn't had in a long time, I think Vegas more than makes sense for Aaron Rodgers' next and possibly last destination. That leaves the Jets still in need of a quarterback, and I believe a lot of people believe they reach out to Derek Carr, and that could be an option, but I believe they go with Jimmy G. A, a, a tested quarterback, he has been to Super Bowls both as Tom Brady's backup and in his own right with the 49ers, and before his injury and Brock Purdy having to step in, he led the 49ers to be in prime position for Brock Purdy to step in and then go on that impressive run that ended in the NFC Championship game. So I don't think Jimmy G should be counted out as a quality starting quarterback in this league as it seems he has been. But we've seen it so many times that a that a talented young quarterback comes in. And we've seen it multiple times in San Francisco. A talented young quarterback comes in and supplants the solid choice and sometimes it makes it look like the solid choice is no longer as solid. It, it happened with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, and it forced Alex Smith to go to Kansas City, where we saw him put up some of the, some of the best completion percentage seasons the NFL has ever seen. I, I believe he is still the NFL completion percentage all-time leader. And then he again was supplanted by a young, exciting quarterback. But that one worked out as Patrick Mahomes is going to his third Super Bowl. So I think Jimmy G to the Jets makes a lot of sense. He gets a lot of those young weapons that many people think that Aaron Rodgers would want in Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson. He gets a good offensive coordinator in Nathaniel Hackett. While it didn't work out as a head coach in Denver, I still think he's a great offensive coordinator. Aaron Rodgers loved working with him. And he gets to work with Robert Sala, who is one of my favorite coaches in the league. I think he's a great coach. So Jimmy G to the Jets makes a lot of sense for me. I'm not sure about Derek Carr. There's been rumors about Washington or Miami. I've heard Derek Carr's name to Indianapolis, but I don't think Indy wants to do another veteran stopgap quarterback after after three years of Phillip Rivers, Carson Wentz, and Matt Ryan virtually going nowhere. So I think the Colts will be looking to draft, and uh, and a lot of projections have C.J. Stroud fitting in there, I think would be a great pick for them. Although, with Brock Purdy's rise in San Francisco, Trey Lance will also be on the market, so maybe Indy takes a flyer on him. He's young, he's athletic, he has high upside. So so we don't know. So, 
Derek Carr to Tampa Bay makes a lot of sense for me. Um, maybe the Rams will be in the market with with uh, Matt, Matt Matthew Stafford possibly retiring pretty soon. Maybe maybe the Rams take a shot on Derek Carr since he's from he's from the West Coast and may, so there are a lot of pieces in this in this QB carousel left to fall with Tom Brady retiring. It sets off a whole chain of things. We'll see what happens next. The other big thing in the NFL, which is gonna which raised some eyebrows, was Sean Payton coming out of coaching retirement to join the Denver Broncos with a five-year contract through 2027. This will give us a good opportunity to see if this last year in Denver was a fluke and a bad and a bad pairing between Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, or if Russell Wilson really is in decline. But I believe that this is a really good fit. Because Sean Payton made his career, built a legacy with Drew Brees, another undersized quarterback that many people didn't think could play in the league. Similar things that were said about Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was, Russell Wilson was even comped to Drew Brees coming out of college. Now, Russ is a little bit older than Drew Brees was when Sean Payton got his hands on him, but they did win a Super Bowl. Russell Wilson has won a Super Bowl, knows what it takes. And we know Denver has the offensive weapons, which is what made this season so disappointing. And we know their defense is good. So I truly believe that Sean Payton and Russell Wilson could bring the results that we thought we'd see last year in Denver. Time will tell, but I like it. I like it a lot. Now I want to transition to the NBA, but not quite yet to LeBron James. News broke just minutes ago that Kyrie Irving, after demanding a trade from the the Brooklyn Nets, was traded to the Dallas Mavericks. As I'm recording this, it's Sunday afternoon, and just minutes ago, this news broke. What I was going to talk about before that, I'm still going to. Even though he's found his destination, and they acquiesced to his demands, and I really like him in Dallas with Luka. I think that's going to be really fun. Uh, Luka's to me, the, the MVP this year, uh, after some of the performances he's, he's put on. To me, he's the, he's the front runner for MVP. And Kyrie still has greatness in him, I believe. So I, I really like this trade unless Kyrie leaves in free agency this summer. Because he wants a contract extension, and that is what soured his relationship with the Nets just days ago when they declined such an extension if if he leaves and this is a 28 game experiment i think it's a bad trade because not only did the, did the Mavericks give up Spencer Dinwiddie who is a great great bench player great role player they gave up three draft picks so if if this doesn't turn into a long term thing for Dallas i think it's a bad trade um, but what i wanted to talk about Kyrie before his trade demand was met was Kyrie brings a lot of baggage. And don't get me wrong, I think he's a great player. He's had great moments in his career. Uh, most of them in Cleveland, uh, being, on the, being on the 2016 title team. He had those legendary performances in the finals when, when both he and LeBron scored 41 in the same game. But 
all told, he's had a lot more news in the press and a lot more negatives about him than on the court. I think his contributions to the NBA do not outweigh his demands. I don't think the contributions he's made to the league outweigh the stress he puts on owners and players in this league. He wanted a trade from Cleveland, despite winning a title. He wanted a trade from Boston and alienated himself to one of the most loyal if you're in it, but one of the roughest if you're not fan bases in all of sports. That's his Boston sports fan base. Alienated them. Goes to Brooklyn. Uh, doesn't get off on the right foot with with Kevin Durant. Doesn't get off on the right foot with James Harden. It wants to be traded. They say no. Kevin wants to be traded because of all the drama. Basically says Kyrie or me, a sentiment that he's familiar with in his career. They say no, and then and then Kyrie makes some interesting statements in a press conference saying saying I want to be here. We're going to build a championship when he when everything pointed to the contrary days prior. And this does not include the this the head scratching things that Kyrie has said in the past about uh, his 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 viewpoints on Earth, on holidays, on. Uh, vaccines, whatever you name it, there have been multiple times that Kyrie has left us scratching our heads, being like, what is he talking about? And so when you add all of this up, the things that he does off the court and the things that he does when he's not playing basketball in a negative light outweigh the demands that he's making. So I don't think he has the... You have to have a certain amount of trust and a certain amount of clout and a certain amount of accomplishment to make the demands like the ones that Kyrie is making. Um, LeBron could make these demands. Giannis, Luka, because they're accomplished players who, who show up and play basketball. And and with LeBron being one of the best that's ever played, he's earned it. Outside of the title run, outside of the, the, the few years they rematched with Golden State in the finals, winning only one of them, by the way, Kyrie was a question mark when he was drafted number one overall after not really playing in college at all. He he was the best player on a bad Cleveland team for many years. He went to Boston and things were rolling along great until all of a sudden they weren't for unknown reasons. And now all this mess with Brooklyn. All that to say, if you're going to make demands, you, you kind of have to make friends first. And Kyrie's never been good at that. Kyrie has never ingratiated himself to people before he makes statements, before he speaks on what he wants. And in a league where others control whether you get what you want, GMs and owners, you're, you're kind of required to make friends first, and that's not something Kyrie's been good at. It worked this time. He's in Dallas. Let's see how long that keeps him happy. Because Kyrie wants what Kyrie wants, and that has been the banner of his career. Kyrie wants what Kyrie wants. Everything else be darned. So if Kyrie doesn't want to stay in Dallas, that could get messy as well. That we This is a theme we're starting to see with Kyrie, and it was a wonder who was going to take a flyer. Dallas did. They gave up a lot. He's pairing with Luka. It should be fun. 
when will the fun wear off? I want to pivot back to the NFL real quick. I got out of order a little bit. I want to pivot back to the NFL real quick. Sort of. Offensive lineman Taylor Lewan stated after Tom Brady's retirement that he believed the NFL should retire Tom Brady's number 12 league-wide. And that was t- that statement was tweeted out by, by Sports Illustrated earlier today asking, do you think Tom Brady's number should be um, retired league-wide? And there are some, you could make a case for the answer to that being yes. But I saw that, and my first reaction immediately, and I still stand by it hours later, was no. I already think in sports in these last few years, we've gotten a little too free with the retirement of players' numbers by a team. Um... I think I think the I think the requirements and the criteria for retiring a number has have gotten a little bit lax um, in the last few years. I I don't agree with the Miami Heat retiring Chris Bosh's number at all. Memphis retiring Zach Randolph's number is is on the fence. And so if if New England wants to retire Tom's number, go for it. I have no problem with that. Absolutely, that is exhibit a of a of a number that should be retired but league wide let's there have only been three numbers retired league wide in sports ever so let's take a look at those real quick jackie robinson bill russell and wayne gretzky jackie robinson was a great player his resume on the was i would say hall of fame worthy but I think the main reason why he's in the Hall of Fame and the main reason why his numbers retired league-wide is not because of things he did on the field. It's because of the difference he made in the league and the legacy that he has in the league. He broke barriers as the first African-American player to play in the league. He fought against hatred that was directed directly at him. He persevered. He became a spokesperson. He became an icon, a legend, a role model in the sport. He broke barriers, and that's why his number is retired, and it's observed every year on April 15th, where every player, white or black, wears his number because of the difference he made, not just on the field, but off it. And the ripple effect it had. Bill Russell. His number six was just retired league-wide earlier this year. And not just because he's one of the winningest players in sports ever with 11 total championships. But because he was a great humanitarian, a great activist. He played a huge role in the civil rights movement. So it wasn't just about Oh, he won a lot of championships on the court. Wayne Gretzky is one of the best athletes we've seen in any sport. He has set marks on the ice that may not be reached. The only person that has a chance at his 892 career goals is Alexander Ovechkin. And Alexander Ovechkin is 38 years old, so he'd have to play two more years. And that is... We'll see if that happens. 
And I don't believe anyone else is really even close. There's only three guys ever that have 800 goals, and it's Gretzky, Gordie Howe, and Alexander Ovechkin. And I don't think that's going to be caught. His his record for points in a season, I don't think, is going to be touched. What is that? Uh, 200 and something? That's, that's ridiculous. I don't think th- any of these marks are going to be met by any current player and we'll see how the game evolves and maybe 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 there's a point freak that comes in because that's the only way that you're gonna you're gonna beat Gretzky is have somebody that just has a magnet for the goal um has a nose for it and cannot miss that's the only the 892 is reachable but only by Alexander Ovechkin and that may not happen Wayne Gretzky's contribution to hockey is that he is the clear head and shoulders greatest of all time. And if that's really the only sport where you can say there is one undisputed greatest of all time. And his the, the number nine, 99 is synonymous with him. As 42 is synonymous with Jackie Robinson. Six isn't synonymous with Bill Russell. He's one of the first people you think of with that number, but many players have worn that number, including LeBron James right now, who's been grandfathered in. As long as he plays, he can wear it. But Bill Russell's number was retired for not only his 11 championships, but his work off the court to further the game of basketball during the civil rights movement, during a tough time in this country's history. So even though the number six is not synonymous with Bill Russell, it's retired for the person that Bill Russell was. But 42 and 99 are synonymous with the person that wore it. So we look at Tom Brady... And we think, yeah, he's got seven championships. That's the most championships of anybody. Yeah, he's got the passing yards record. Yeah, he's got the touchdowns record. But what else? It's great, the the accomplishments he has on the field. That's great. And like I said, New England is well in their right and very much should retire his number so that nobody wears the number 12 for New England ever again. But Tom Brady's, Tom Brady's resume on the, on the field may stack up against those other players whose numbers are retired league-wide. But league-wide retirement criteria is something entirely different than team number retirement criteria. And that's where Tom Brady does not stack up. Off the field, we talk about yeah, he's got the TB12 Foundation. Yeah, you know, he he might do some charity events here and there. But this entire last year, we were talking about his divorce. We were talking about him and Giselle. We weren't talking about charity organizations. We weren't talking about stances that he made. We weren't talking about things he did off the field other than his marriage collapsing. That's not league-wide retirement material. Not only that, but he's but the number 12 is not synonymous with him other than it's in his foundation name, the TB12. Because so many other players who are in the same category as him have worn that number. Roger Staubach, Joe Namath, Terry Bradshaw. And that's just the first three that come to my mind. There's so many other 12 is a is a popular number in the league, Aaron Rodgers. So from a standpoint of being on the league, yeah, he has all these records, but unlike Gretzky, they're breakable. 
someone could break the passing yardage record. Heck, he he had to break his own record a couple times because Drew Brees took it from him. He had to break uh, the passing yard the passing touchdowns record a few times because both Peyton Manning and Drew Brees were passing him. So while he has the record, it's very breakable, and I think it will be broken by somebody who's playing in the league. I think all of Tom Brady's records, besides maybe the seven Super Bowls, will be broken by somebody who's playing in the NFL right now, Patrick Mahomes. And if Patrick Mahomes plays his entire career in Kansas City, I don't want to hear 10 years from now, let's retire 15 league-wide. That's not what it's about. I don't think Tom has any of the criteria that the other three guys have who have their number retired league-wide. Bill and Jackie made huge strides for their sport and their country off the field and were great on the field. Wayne Gretzky set records in his sport that will probably never be broken. Tom Brady's records will be. Jackie and Wayne are 100% synonymous, tied forever a representation of the jersey number they wore. The number 12 has been worn by a lot of great quarterbacks and will be worn by a lot of great quarterbacks in the future. Tom Brady is deserving of everything he gets. He's deserving of the Hall of Fame. He's deserving of his number 12 being retired by New England. What he's not deserving of is having his number 12 retired league-wide, and that's nothing against him. It's It doesn't stack up against the other three names that have had that honor bestowed on them. All right, the thing I wanted to spend the most time on, I moved it to last, is LeBron set to pass Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the all-time leading scorer in the NBA. And I give LeBron a lot of crap on this show. I am the first to say it. And 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 we'll talk more about that in a minute. But I want to I want to give him props for playing as long as he has at the level of which he has played for staying healthy for the most part uh, his entire career, with the exception of that, that those, what, 60 games he missed a couple years ago, he hasn't missed a ton of time in his career. Um, and he's going to pass Kareem. It's going to happen. The next chance he has is on Tuesday against Oklahoma City. He's 36 points away. He could do it Tuesday because he's averaging 30 points a game in year 20, which is absurd. So... I want to take these first few minutes and congratulate him on the impending record of being the all-time leading scorer. It's going to happen, and it's great, and I take nothing away from him. He's one of the greatest players of all time. One of. Which brings me to my next point. I've heard many this week, and, and as he gets closer to the record, say that if he passes Kareem... That is the final nail in the coffin of LeBron is the greatest of all time. And you could make an argument for that. You would perfectly within your rights. I have no problem with that argument. But here's why that argument is a little iffy to me. If LeBron scores these 36 points, and he will do because even if he doesn't do it on Tuesday, there are 28 games left in the season. So he's going to do it. The person he's going to pass when he does it, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, despite playing 20 seasons in, in, in the NBA, despite being the all-time leading scorer, in many conversations, in many lists of the top 
five players of all time, Kareem's left off. Top 10, he's on it. Top 10 list, Kareem is on the list. He has to be. Because of the way he revolutionized the game. The way he became synonymous with the hook shot. The championships. The the all-time leading scoring record. He is on almost every top 10 list you're going to see. But he's not on every top 5 list. Which in and of itself reveals that being the scoring leader in all of the NBA does not guarantee you any spot. It didn't guarantee Kareem Abdul-Jabbar a top five spot. It doesn't, it continues not to. On some lists, sure. And it does not guarantee LeBron James the greatest of all time slot. Because any conversation you're having for greatest of all time, with the exception of maybe hockey, as as I talked about earlier, it's subjective. And the person that it is subject to is whoever is looking at the stats, whoever is looking at the errors, whoever is stacking up these numbers against each other. And for me, even after LeBron becomes the all-time leading scorer, as great of an accomplishment as that may be, he'd still be... To me, that would solidify him as second greatest of all time because my list currently has Michael 1, Kobe 2, LeBron 3. If LeBron adds a scoring record to his list absolutely number two all the way but the reason why michael is number one and i've said this before so i won't harp on this too long for me and for a lot of people yeah it's about what he did on the court the six titles whatever you want to say but it's about his unwielding and ferocious and unstoppable competitive drive that we haven't seen in anyone besides Kobe. And until all this load management stuff, I saw it in Kawhi Leonard a little bit, but that but that that was in 2019 with the Raptors, the stories I heard then, not so much anymore. I've only heard I've I've only seen competitive drive like that in Michael and Kobe. And that plays a big factor. His drive to win championships not by stacking his team with all-stars but by training those around him to meet his level and so I thought about it Michael Jordan is currently fifth on the all-time scoring list but when you look at those numbers he played and 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 bear with me I did a lot of research on this Michael Jordan played 1,072 games in the NBA from 1984 until he retired for good in 2003. That is 300 games less than any of the four people ahead of him on the scoring list, and he's still fifth. That is roughly 400 and something games less than Kareem and 300-ish games less than LeBron. So, I did math. Because as we know, Michael Jordan took four full years off from the NBA, and then most of a fifth. 
and and he still finished with a 30.1 career average, which is well higher than LeBron's 27.2, and it's and it's even higher than Kareem's 24.6 average. Both of them, Kareem played 20 years. LeBron is in his 20th, and has not said this is his last. So he will he will play beyond 20. How much beyond? I don't know. But I did some math. In the Michael played what equates to 15 years in the NBA, not consecutive, but he played 15 seasons. His his career spans a total of 19 years if you factor in the the 3 years off from 98 to 01 and the year and a half he took off uh in in 94-95. It's it spans 19 years. So his f- top 5 scoring output in the NBA is from 15 years. So, would we still be talking about LeBron as the greatest of all time? Because as I said, scoring is not an automatic barometer of greatest. If Michael had played consecutively his entire career, that would be for 19 years. So I, cr- I, I crunched the numbers. This may be a little confusing. Bear with me. Michael... In the games that he was on the roster, so take out the three years he was retired, take out the year and a half he played baseball. For the years he was on the roster, he played 1,057 games of the possible 1,148, meaning he played 92% of his games. If you want to include 95 when he came back at the end of the year and played 17 of 17 games, he played 1,072 of 1,165. Still a 92% rate. The only reason that number is not higher is because of early in his career when Michael played 18 games in the season before he broke his foot and missed the rest of the year. But he fought to get back earlier than he did. The only reason that number is not higher is because of that. Because Michael Jordan played 80 games or more 11 times in his 15 seasons. Something something that does not happen in today's NBA. Based on Michael's average, if he played if he played consecutively in his career, based on his average, we'd have to add 358 more games because he he had four full non-existent years. His average is 75 games a year, 92% of the season. Again, the reason that's not higher is because of that one year where he played 18 games. So by that average, Michael Jordan played 75 games a year, plus the rest of the games that he didn't play in the 95 year when he came back is a total of 358 games that Michael Jordan could have played if he play, would have played if he played consecutively bringing his his career total from 1072 to 1430 which is 21 more games than LeBron currently has obviously LeBron's counting and still 130 fewer games than Kareem's career total at 1560 Michael Jordan had a 30.1 scoring average. If you extrapolate that out across the games he would have played had he played consecutively, 
that that brings his 19-year NBA total to 43,043. That's 19 years. Kareem played 20. LeBron is in his 20th. He'll probably play one or two more. Three. We'll see what his sons do. That's the factor. So, I wanted to even the playing field. So, I... I assumed LeBron would play the rest of this every game the rest of this year, which, as I said, due to load management, is not likely. And I added another 75 for Michael Jordan because averages. And now this average, as I said, is conservative because in the three seasons he missed with his second retirement, the three before that, he all he played every uh, every game of the 82 game season. So 75 is conservative. Let's let's be real. And before you say, "Oh, he would have gotten hurt, he would have slowed down." In his age 39 year, which was his last year, he played all 82 games and averaged 20 points. So before you say, "Oh, he's slowing down." I mean, he 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 was 39, played 82 games. So he he was out there if he was healthy. LeBron's career totals if he played every game the rest of this year, and averaged what he's averaging, which is higher than his career average by three total points, LeBron James would finish with 1,437 1, games, and, and it would add an 840 points to his, to his climbing total, which would, which would bring his 20-year total to 39,192, which, as we know, Kareem's total is 38,387, would be a record. But if we want all things to be equal, we give Michael a 20th year. And using his career average at 30.1, which again is well higher than Kareem or LeBron, that brings his 20-year total perspective. This is all conjecture. This is a lot of math. Don't come at me. That brings Michael's 20-year total to 45,300 points. In, and he would have played 1,505 games, which is still 55 less than Kareem and roughly 100 more than LeBron. But LeBron's not going to be done after 20. But that would bring Michael's average for 20 years to level the playing field with Kareem and LeBron at 20 to 45,300. And before you say, oh, well, he only played 13, so you can't make that make that argument. Well, I'm making the argument. And he didn't play 13 because he couldn't. And he didn't play 13 because he got hurt. He played 13 because, for one reason or another, he got bored. He wanted to do something. It was too easy. He left basketball because he wanted to play baseball. He wanted a different challenge. He wanted to honor his father. He left basketball again because he didn't want to play for another coach. It was pride. It had nothing to do with injuries. It had nothing to do with load management. It had nothing to do with not being able to play the game anymore. Michael missed time by his, by his choosing. And as we've heard from current players in Charlotte, he comes and plays one-on-one at practice and still cooks people, and he's 60. Michael's career longevity was not father time. It was Michael's choice. So, before we say LeBron is the greatest of all time because of points, 
because of longevity, because of health. Let's remember that Michael played 30, 82 games and averaged 20 points at age 39. Let's remember that he took himself out after 15 total years, non-consecutive, because he wanted to. Let's remember that LeBron plays in an era of load management, that Michael Jordan did not believe in. So, if Michael Jordan had played 20 years like Kareem and like, like LeBron, he would have finished with about... Law, law of averages, 45,300 points, which, if that was his total, would not only end the debate of anyone being greater than Michael Jordan, but it would probably be unreachable. 45,000 would likely be unreachable because for a long time, many people thought Kareem's 38, 387 was unreachable until LeBron got there. So what do you do with 7,000 perspective extra points? Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time because he, his competitive nature makes it so. LeBron playing 20 years and doing what he's done is great. But he doesn't have something that Michael had. He doesn't have the fire that Michael had. Not to mention that Michael, in 15 seasons, he's, he's credited with, it's conjecture because of that time off, 13, 15, 13 in, in Chicago, 2 in Washington. Michael won six championships. LeBron has four. So, if we're playing the game of, of he, he plays that time consecutively, he definitely has at least one more in 94-95. He definitely has at least one more in that in that year and a half block, maybe two. Cuz they cuz they probably win the year he missed the whole year. Or you can make the argument that they that that that, that they forpeat because he's there and they made a playoff run in 95 when he came back because he he played 17, played well and they exited early. And that was probably due to the lack of chemistry for Michael not being there all year. So you could make the argument that they win both of those and then they come back. They could have won eight in a row. And that is not a stretch to say if Michael hadn't taken that year and a half off, they win eight titles in a row, which would would bring Michael's total to eight championships. And then in 98, when the Bulls disbanded, if he hadn't retired, you're telling me they couldn't have built another championship team around him to run at least one more? I'd be willing to bet that Michael Jordan would have eight or nine championships if he hadn't have taken time off, and I don't feel like that's a stretch. So, to me, there's really no conversation. Even if LeBron passes Kareem in, in the next few days, which he will and congratulations i'm not taking anything away from lebron and and the accomplishment that he the accomplishments he has gotten and the accomplishment he's about to get that's amazing but when you look at everything when you look at what michael jordan did in far less time and the fact that many still consider lebron to be chasing someone that played seven less seasons five less seasons, however you want to look at, that played 400 less games 
and counting. The fact that many people, including myself, still consider LeBron to be chasing him tells me all I need to know. There is no chase. If Michael had played 19 years consecutively, and and if, if we want to put him on a playing playing field 20 years, that, that mark would be unreachable. 45,000 plus. It's unreachable. There's no debate. Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time. Nothing against LeBron. LeBron is number two. But to me, you can't convince me. And maybe you're like, oh, he's hard-headed. He's whatever. Look at the numbers I just gave you. Michael played 15 years, non-consecutively. He played 82 games at the age of 39 and averaged 20 points. Yeah, LeBron's 38 and he's averaging, he's averaging 30 in a scorer's league. The NBA was not a scorer's league when Michael played. LeBron's averaging 30 in a league where, where teams are averaging 110, 115, and nobody plays defense. There was a lot of defense played in Michael's day. So to me, the conversation's over. Because if Michael had played as long as LeBron had, his scoring output would be unreachable. His titles would be rivaled only by Bill Russell. So congratulations to what LeBron has done. But he's no Michael. That's all the time I have for Empire Sports Talk. This is Roman Gennaro. I promise that that once we get back in our new setup, we will have episodes more frequently. But until then, I'm Roman Gennaro, signing off. See you next time.